Is that how you feed yourself? Is the dead swans and flamingos? I get free. There's a lottery, and whoever wins gets all the swan meat and flamingo meat they want for a month. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. There's a lottery for it's the nice dead That's good perk. Nothing better. Welcome to another episode of the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. This is going to be a special show. Although today is April 13th, this is going to be a two-parter. So the second half of this, if you don't see it today while we're doing it live, um, is going to be airing next week because I'll be out of town um, running a karaoke show near the Oregon coast. So anyway, so today is April 13th, 2022, and our client for today is the Orchestra of Evil or Emptiness or And Emptiness. I'll try that again. It's the orchestra of evil and emptiness. Behold, trapped in a hellscape of their own invention, socially unaware old white men bound by the pretense of being fake lawyers yet knowing no law, no exquisite Latin terminology, they are inexplicably compelled to quibble over minutia, squabble over triflings, and bicker like those who value their backyards far too highly without even knowing the difference between an easement and an alleyway. At this very moment, you have entered the heart of the law offices of quibble, squabble, and bicker. Let's get started. Doongaling. What? Doongaling. 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 Do you like listening to pop music but wish the lyrics were more pork product related? Sure you do. Well, Polyham Records has a new double LP. The lad was squealing with delight. Slop happy. You'll be a pig in shit when you drop the needle into this ham hock and roll masterpiece. Featuring Squealer's Wheels. Hog smack, guided by pork roast, built to squeal, suckling kid Joe, archers of olive loaf, the hoggy bottom boys, piggy stardust and the sliders from Mars, nine in sausage, rage against the porcine, and all the way from Iceland, pork. <laughs> and also, while you're at it, pick out on these other pig hits. Here comes your spam by the piggies. In a Pig Country by Pig Country. Barbecue by the Hashboard Light by Meatloaf. Sweet Caroline by Squeal Diamond. And it's all about the ham, no veggies by Tricky Gnosis. So order today. Slop happy. You'll be squealing like a pig in shit, even though I said that already. <laughs> Sweet Caroline. I would buy that album. So what's the name of the album again? Slop Happy. Slop Happy. Like a pig and slop. So this is all pig puns is what we got. <laughs> yeah, very uh, They have to say that Pjork was inspired. <laughs> I like Pjork. I think that's how I'm going to refer to her from now on. <laughs> as, as Pjork. And at my restaurant where all our sandwiches are puns, I'm trying to have them have a special like pulled pork sandwich with egg. So we can just so we can call it the pulled pork. <laughs> or like that. It could be good. All right. So thank you, Greg, for uh, that very insightful thing. Um, <laughs> thing. For that fake sponsor that you dragged from oh. somewhere. Yeah, don't thank me. It's something like straight out of the Muppet Show, apparently. Um Pig, up songs, made of pig songs in space. <laughs> anyway, all right, getting to our client for today, and our client is the Orchestra of Evil and Emptiness. And what does, what that, does that mean? mean? What does that mean? Well, it means essentially it brings us to the beginning of my relationship with Greg, and like kind of how it all came about. So as, as many of you know, but many of you don't, those who are new to the show, um, I have a karaoke business, and I've been doing karaoke for over a decade. I don't know how long. But anyway, one of, these, one of those years, I was working at a venue that uh, no longer exists, as so many of the places I've worked at don't exist, and I think that says something. Anyway, called the Bravo Lounge in a, uh, an outskirt of Portland, Oregon. And Greg was a, a regular singer there and um, would come to my shows every so often. I got to know him and his girlfriend at the time. And 
he um i don't know that's kind of just how it all got started was and he later on um wound up getting offered to run karaoke at another place and asked me for help in terms of what to do and so i think that's what became what started our initial not necessarily friendship per se but um you wouldn't admit it was it initiated conversations let's say well i realized you were a pal when you invited me over i barely knew you just you were my kj and you i think i had to pick up something you were like oh come over i got all these dvds and you made me a steak dinner what you made me a delicious steak dinner with all the veggies on the side i was like wow this guy knows how to cook you were just sitting there whipped it up when was this you don't remember that before it was like one of the first times we ever hung out outside of a karaoke bar Invited me over to your house. I think it was to get the DVDs, or it might have been some other weird reason. No, that must have been a long time after. No, I barely knew you. I was like, wow, this guy's looking at me steak dinner. He's just my KJ. Huh. I'm I'm like thoroughly confused. Because is it at the house where I currently live? Yeah, it was just you and me. It was just like, no one was home. You're like, oh, yeah, because everyone's out. And you're like, Mike, are you hungry? And you didn't just like give me some chips. You made me a steak, (laughs) a nice steak, which I never eat cook a steak for myself well i think it's because i i had the i had some steaks and i had the grill and i was uh yeah but it wasn't leftovers it was like you made a nice meal well you know if you're gonna have a meal it may as well be a nice one right especially if somebody's visiting but uh, for some reason i thought like our our friendship had we had known each other better since then so it's only like within the last five years then i guess i was a bravo about five years ago now, I wasn't at the Bravo five years ago. That was years before. Well, that's where I met you, and I think it was you're still at the Bravo when this happened. Not in this current house where I'm living now. Really? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've, um, I was at the Bravo at my old house. So I guess we didn't really hang out when we were, you were KJ at the Bravo. No, we, I, we definitely didn't hang out. I mean, I think it was like the tail end of the Bravo where yeah. um, we... Uh, yeah, maybe you said, let's go to a bar together. Because Matt will often, like, if there's a regular that he can stand, which is a small minority of his regulars, he'll, he'll be like, hey, you should come out. Let's, no, let's, I can stand nearly everybody. The, I know, the, but, like, what makes me, I think it's more like who can handle my personal abuse is more um, telling than anything else. Yeah, but, you know? you, but Matt likes to uh, go to various character boys. That's what, how, what a fan he is. Where he'll just check out, oh, I heard about this new place on Facebook. Uh, they drove Wednesday nights. So Matt would drive me all over town. Eventually, as the years went on, we became karaoke buddies. And we would just, Matt would hear a place, let's check it out. Well, I knew that we started hanging out more as I was working at um, this bar in Oregon City. And you would harass me to want to, because you'd be going out somewhere else and would ask me to come out after my gig. And I'm like... I was yeah. just at a, I'm like, I'm just got through working. I'm like, I didn't go out to a karaoke place. So I think that's when we started hanging out more. I thought you were the first one to ask me, though, because I, I, that seems presumptuous. I can't imagine asking You know, you. at this stage of my life, my memory is apparently yeah. shot. No, my memory is <laughs> terrible, but I just wasn't the kind of person who'd like be like, hey, we should go check out another karaoke bar. So I was like, you do that, though. You like to do that. Like, I, uh, I'm just trying to remember why the hell, I mean, uh, you asked me for help for something for it was like for i think it was when you were getting ready to work at the bear paw Indeed. that's yeah so that was long before i lived where i'm currently living as far as i can recall i don't how long, remember how long have you been at the bear paw it's been a while i think it's been longer than five years right i think it's been has it been longer than i was at spots well i was at spot 79 for like five years and i left there about a year ago so yeah. that would have been like six years ago. But you used to come to Area 52 when I was working there. Yeah. Yep. And that was, were we friendly? Then? I mean, we were, you were you would come to my gig, but did we hang out at well, that I time? I started just sometime in there. All right. Well, I want to apologize to everybody who's watching right now for this really bad reminiscing that we're doing. It's like, <laughs> Where it's all about, well, I don't remember. Do you remember? Do you I don't remember man. either. Well, I don't remember nothing. You just turned into dementia. I'm 
That's right. We're no longer the law offices equivalent squabble and bicker. We're dementia 101. That's where we're changing the name of the podcast to. Because obviously we have no memory. I, I remember um having a conversation with a friend from high school of about a year or so ago, and she had mentioned that I'd come over to her house once and eaten all of her bacon when we were in high school. And I went, I don't have any recollection of that happening. I'm like, I believe you. I said, I believe you implicitly because I can see myself coming to somebody's house and eating all of their bacon, but I don't remember doing it at all. You should listen to Slop Happy while you did it. If I had known that it existed at the time, I probably would have listened to it while eating a lot of bacon. However, let's get into what karaoke is. So screw this lack of this horrible memory that we both yeah. have. We're doing a two-parter, right? So we need to get into it. We need to get into what karaoke is. <laughs> the so, it. so the 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 client is the orchestra of evil or emptiness. That comes from the fact that the word karaoke is derived from two Japanese words. Kara, which means empty and Okasutra, which means orchestra, and they basically shortened that up and made it karaoke, so empty orchestra, or if you're going to do it in English, it'd be empty orc. <laughs> so, actually, I think I might prefer that as a title. It's like you have an orc from the Lord of the Rings that has not eaten anything for that particular day, and so it's obviously an empty orc. And then he only sings in Orcish language or something. Oh, that'd be good. It was like the Klingon karaoke that a bar in town, the BC Lounge, used to have a night of Klingon karaoke where people would sing. The BC all, like, Lounge, coffee. that's where Baby Ketten is now. Yes. yes. And uh, Klingons would come and sing like Madonna songs in Klingon, like. <laughs> What? So people who actually knew how to speak Klingon would come to that bar and sing. And they dress up, and they dress up as Klingons. And you know, I, I am thought it was a rumor. I thought it was a thing. Like, oh, you're bullshitting. You're making it because it's funny. The idea of it. But right. I talked to a bunch of people, and they were like, "No, I've seen it. It's true. They really did do that." You know, the, the fact is, is that the Portland area has a lot of very creative people, and I realize that yeah. I am not one of those people. <laughs> So I don't wear costumes. I don't get into things like that. I'm basically a curmudgeon for the most part. I'm I'm not really into it at all. HP Lovecraft theme bar. We have a George Orwell theme bar. Even like Portland is a. Where is there a George Orwell theme bar? Where is that located? It's called the Victory Bar, I think, and it's um either I always mix it up. I think it's on Division or Bellbot. Is it George Orwell themed or 1984 themed? It's pretty much 1984. Okay, yeah. so it's not like an animal farm type of thing. No, there's no animal farm references. I don't okay. think. Maybe there's a few posters up of Napoleon. Vote, vote for Napoleon. Or, uh, <laughs> what was that other George Orwell book? I Keep the Aspidistra Flying. I yeah. think that was the... Homage to Catalonia. I've read them all. I'm a huge... I love George Orwell. It's one of oh. my favorites. You've read them all? I've even read the book, four books of his letters and movie reviews and book reviews and personal letters. That's what a nut I am for him. What what drove that? What made that happen? I just love that guy. Like he's he's one of those people that speaks to me. Like I would if I knew that guy, I think we would have been pals because we he he's he seems like the way I think about things. All of his opinions. I think we would have been pals. You've said that about other authors too, where you have this strange delusional concept of yourself <laughs> that you would be a pal to famous authors. Actually, George Orwell would probably think I was a fucking boorish lout. <laughs> I mean, but... think of all of the current modern day famous authors that you are not pals with. Because they have shitty opinions. George Orwell and me were <laughs> we were simpatico. I've read a lot of his stuff, and like it seems like every position he takes, I'm like, yeah, I agree with George Orwell on this. Yeah, he's totally got it dead on, you know. Oh, really? Yeah, he seems to know. He we're just simpatico. Just simpatico. Hey, that's what we is. We're, we're just spirits. <laughs> we're the simpatico twins. Yeah, that's what we are. Uh... Well, let's get back to the history of karaoke. Okay, uh, let's karaoke, do that. The empty orc. Japan, <laughs> I believe in the 60s, right? I'm not really sure. Well, I mean, theoretically, you could say that the concept of karaoke began with like Sing Along with Mitch on television, you know, oh, yeah. back Follow in the, the 50s. Ball. 
and movie exactly theaters. so you sang along with the track and you followed the ball and while yep. people sang along with you you know and that's that comes from you know the old you know beer hall sing-alongs that people used to do way back in the day while they, they would hire traveling minstrels what's that would they drop the the vocals from those follow the boxing ball things at the movie theater would there be no like you wouldn't hear frank sinatra singing this song would it be just i the- don't know i know it's sing-along so i think they probably kept a vocal track going okay you know it wasn't designed for somebody to just be the lead singer because that's kind of an important step when they took the vocals out you know made true karaoke right well i I guess it was like designed to cause people to feel like they're in a band or something you know like uh you know that was the thing but let me see here i i'm looking into wikipedia known for its a uh incredibly accurate listings but uh here we go um 1961 to 66 american network nbc carried a karaoke like series sing along with mitch which featured Mitch Miller and a chorus where they superimposed the lyrics to their songs from the bottom of the screen for home audience participation. But the difference was the absence of lead vocalist between that and karaoke. So, okay, so that answers that question. But Mitch would probably sing right along too. Well, and his chorus would probably sing as well. I don't know if Mitch is singing. I don't remember actually ever seeing the show because it was 61 to 66 and I was born in 66. So I don't remember. I don't think they repeated those ever. I don't think there's one made it to syndication. Yeah. And then what happened was in the 60s and 70s, stored audible materials began to dominate the music recording industry, which made uh, portability and ease of use of band instrumental music um, increase globally. So that could be karaoke began with a machine in Japan. So that's really kind of where it started. But says the word karaoke had long been used in Japan's entertainment industry to, re- to refer to instrumental recordings and backing tracks when a live band couldn't be arranged for singers. So that's kind of like lip syncing, you know? Well, like Millie Vanilli. Right, hey. but if it was Japanese, it would be Midji Midviji. <laughs> because everything in Japan has the letter J in it, in case you didn't yes. know. So most people don't realize that you know, that all words in Japanese have a J somewhere in the middle of it. Melisan and Benelisan. That's only, I, we, uh, I, were those guys in that band specifically named Millie and Benelli? Or was that was just I, the name of the band? I think, well, I think, I, I know that wasn't their real names on their birth certificate, but I think <laughs> supposedly it was like Simon and Garfunkel, Millie and Benelli. I don't think so. Oh, wait, you're right. It was called Millie Vanilli. It wasn't Millie and Vanilli. <laughs> it was just called Millie Vanilli. Yeah, Millie and Vanilli is our band. <laughs> no, that's our vaudeville act. Your vaudeville. Welcome tonight. One night only. Millie it's, and Vanilli. It's our vaudeville. Vada and Vill act. Yes. Or, sorry, Vada and Villy. Vada and Villy. Vada and Villy. Vada Villy. Vada do you think they Millie Vanilli was named so that the second word would sound like vanilla? Do you think? I think so. Yeah, they were supposed to. So it'd be, it would have really been like Milla and Vanilla. Nilla wafer. Nilla, <laughs> Nilla vanilla. Or the thriller in Millie Vanilli. <laughs> Thrilly Manili. <laughs> So, so anyway, so karaoke goes back to the 60s when um, there was backing tracks. In other words, the term karaoke as terms of uh, popularity, though, I think that came much later. So um, a guy named... I think it was popular. In 1971, a nightclub musician, Daisuke Inoue, independently invented his own karaoke machine. So that's when the, the first machine was started in 1971. And I think he got dicked over really hard, too. I don't think he did, because um, he was awarded a tongue-in-cheek IG Nobel Peace Prize for inventing karaoke, thereby providing an entirely new way for people to learn to tolerate each other. So the Nobel Peace Prize takes time to make goofy awards, like a tongue-in-cheek. But the interesting thing is the patent holder of the karaoke machine is a guy from the Philippines named Roberto Del Rosario, he developed the karaoke sing-along system in 1975 
and he's recognized as the sole holder of a patent for a karaoke that's system. That's what I'm saying. That guy got kicked out of. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like that guy invented it in Japan, and yeah. I, I guess he didn't patent it or something. He didn't. Yeah, but I would patent. think that he could still have a patent in Japan. Maybe he never even sent it in. It was just some machine he made. He said, "Hey, everyone, enjoy." I don't know, but, but it, in. it sounds like there's birds in your background. Is your fan on again? No, but there is birds. I have lovely birds in my uh, beautiful palatial estate. Lovely birds in your palatial estate. Do they live like uh, in the, over the corner of your shoulder where we can see you in your giant kitchen? No, they're outside. There's like swans and flamingos and... Um, um, <laughs> There's swans and flamingos. It's a very full swank place I live in. In it's Oregon? Very... <laughs> yeah, they, they bring them in. And they die every month and they bring in new ones. <laughs> they die every month. Yeah, it's too cold for them. But they keep bringing them in. So you have... Do you, is that how you feed yourself? Is the dead swans and flamingos? I get free. There's a lottery and whoever wins gets all the swan meat and flamingo meat they want for a month. <laughs> it's a pretty good deal. There's a lottery... For the, the nice dead flamingos. <laughs> <That's> good perk. <laughs> Nothing better. But don't those uh, don't those flamingo legs get a little um, you know a little chewy? Not like not too much of meat. You, know, you don't eat the leg, though. No. Yeah, you know. You can use that as a skewer, like oh. a chicken, to put the rest of the meat on. But I gotta <laughs> say, like if you flambe a swan, this uh -huh. little swan flambe, it's good. <laughs> swan flambe. Yeah. Well, can you get us out of these things? They make me self-conscious. What makes self you self-conscious? Being in these weird like this is where my head is huge. <laughs> well, you're you're a piece of art now. I know, but my hair is looking really stylish now, isn't it? It's not quite that stylish, really. It looks kind of like a cool uh, bad boy in a movie. No, I, I guess I look like a, a biker in Dukes of Hazard. Yeah, is this what? better for you? Look who's on. <laughs> Hi. Oh, my God, we do have a guest. We do have a guest, Greg. I was just messing with you. Oh, She's like the Lord. perfect guest for this client. Yeah. The, the Orchestra author. of Evil and Emptiness. This is the author, Dr. Chris Gowan, of the book One Nation Under Song, My Karaoke Journey Through Grief, Joy, and Murka. Murka. Merka. That's it was very she, Merka that time, yes. That's how she spelled it when she wrote it. It was M-E-R-K-A. So this wonderful woman listeners wrote a book. She went to every state of the union and did karaoke over, like, what, three months? Was it? Yeah. I mean, it, so Alaska and Hawaii took a little bit more time. But, yeah. yeah, I did the lower 48 in 99 days. Yeah, it's a lot harder to drive to Hawaii. It's true. Yeah. Not if you have a pontoon boat car. <laughs> Yeah, I'm lacking in one of those. One of those ducks. What are they? They're called ducks, aren't they? Oh, yeah. Duck boats. I think that's like the land and water thing that like you do for tourists, like those things. Is that what you mean? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Um, speaking of driving to Hawaii, I remember back in college, I had a dream. And it's one of the very, very few dreams that I remembered. And this is where I was selling bus tickets to Hawaii. And that's about the extent of the knowledge of that dream that I have. So, um it all ties back into nothing. That's like selling ice to Eskimos. No, Greg, actually. It's not like selling ice to Eskimos at all. <laughs> Eskimos have ice. Nobody has bus tickets to Hawaii, except for people in Hawaii. It's and the swamp. No, yeah, you're right. I was going to do Swampland in Florida, and that's also the bad analogy. That's the opposite. Yeah. I mean, because there is Swampland in Florida. Right. Know, but, but people sell it as something else, I think. But anyway, so... Welcome, Dr. Chris Gowan. We were just having a discussion about the uh, origination of karaoke, how it all got started. But since you're here, why don't we actually talk about your work? Now, anybody who's followed our show knows that Dr. Gowan was on with us a few months ago with her cohort because they were they have a podcast that is about uh, sex education called Before You Swipe. Actually, the podcast isn't about sex education. They're sex educators. They have a podcast about them getting sex and yeah. getting educated on the people out there who are trying to have it with yeah. them. Yeah, right. So That's basically, yeah, that podcast is about online dating. And uh, uh, my colleague and I, Dr. Lauren, um, over analyzing dating profiles. So now I have an identity crisis because now I'm on here as a pretty hardcore karaoke enthusiast. So 
I just You're a Renaissance woman. I am. Um, I do. I like those all are the your things. two specialties. Singing. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say I'd say that. Yeah, I, I mean, I love karaoke. Obviously, I love karaoke enough to drive around <laughs> the the U.S. and uh, and sing karaoke in all. Ooh, a chairlift. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to find the right background for us. Although I have to say that it's uh, it it snowed, I guess, in Portland, and uh, here in Toronto, it did not. Um, it flurried on Saturday and I was cranky about it. And then I saw pictures of what you all went through and I was like, Oh, well, yeah, fuck. never mind." Oh, it was just pure slush after two hours. It was just slush. And I, had to I walk didn't even see it. I slept through the whole thing. I had to walk to work in that slush. And uh, My feet were completely drenched. Yeah. You have drenched feet. Not now. They dried off. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I also met you all <laughs> in karaoke. That's but true. It, and, uh, that's was, one thing I want oh, to say like about karaoke. One. I'm sorry. Is uh, yeah, karaoke is this weird like thing, hobby, maybe you could call it, where it just attracts all kinds of people. Like if you go to a D and D game, it seems like it's going to be kind of like similar people, relatively similar economic classes, um, probably education level. But karaoke is a fucking crapshoot. Look at me. Hey, hey guys, I'm an orc. I'm a dwarf. So, <laughs> karaoke, you can meet people and befriend them, and they're just so different, all walks of life. They just love yeah. karaoke. That's the one thing they have in common. They could be, like, Trump supporters. Uh, they could be QAnon. But they go to karaoke, and you chat with them about karaoke. They could be, like, I don't know, just totally different walks of life. Meet well, each other. Yeah. And, I mean, when I was in Alabama, uh, my my partner at the time and I went into this bar and I I I honestly think we're the only two people that were not wearing a Confederate flag on their person, <laughs> like, no joke. And so we we're like, okay, we're gonna order a Kurz Light and we're gonna we are gonna sit down and we're gonna behave ourselves and we're just gonna keep our heads down. And it was, I mean, obviously, um, it was different because I'm I'm white. So it's it's it was easier to blend in, if you will. But yeah. it was I was really conflicted because these people were exceedingly nice to me. And, you know, I told them what I was doing. And the KJ there was like, oh, my God, you're living my dream of like driving around the country and singing karaoke everywhere. And and there was a big flood going on and they helped me navigate through like they were telling me like what roads we could take and which ones we shouldn't because they were shut down. And I'm like, you know, you you all here by nature of what you're wearing and everything are the epitome of my like, like asshole. And yet here you are being really nice to me and we're singing together and it's fun. And I, uh, God, it was sweet home Alabama together. I think I sang juice Newton. I think it's, it's this weird thing where even, yeah, well, I was trying to find a song that I could sing and then I, yeah, like that wouldn't rock the boat kind of. I don't know if you guys get this reference, but, uh, a famous karaoke personage in Portland who's now dead. Wait, personage? Personage? I look like, I look like Micro. He used to hang out at Chopsticks if, with a lack of pigmentation. Mm. But if Micro was white, because he was this guy with a, a little, really, he was a little person with a really big head, kind of looked like this, all scruffy, and always be like in Chopsticks. And that's how I feel right now. I feel like a javelina man. <laughs> a huge head. But I'm like short. I'm like yeah. yeah. You do look like you need a booster seat at the at the table. Yeah. For sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you look like you're just a disembodied head with yeah. your chin is on top of the table and like somebody placed you there, yeah. like something out of like the man with two brains or something. Or in Futurama, oh, where all the presidents are like in heads in glass jars. Yes. You could no, be the trick to drag is you'd have to back away from your tablet to be have a smaller head but then we probably wouldn't it's much smaller <laughs> that way we probably wouldn't be able to hear you as well so um yeah perhaps no, it'd be just best if i i'll put up with it i'm fine yeah if i just I'm a, do this I'm a professional oh, whichever now you can see how dark it is because i forgot to turn on my lights in my condo <laughs> oh, which is fine yeah i don't care i'm just, just laughing in, in the darkness. that's a canadian condo everybody in case you're wondering she's yeah. in toronto that is true yeah, which because. is basically when things started opening up post-COVID, I was like, oh, now I need to meet people. What did I do? I went to a karaoke bar. 
And so that's how I've started to meet people here. I mean, yeah, karaoke is a lovely social construct. It's what's funny is I thought, oh, sorry, go ahead, Greg. I was just going to say, have you befriended any of them outside of karaoke? Have you actually made some pals? You're like, let's go out for lunch. Um, well, the, the, so one of them asked me out on a date, but then he, he bailed today, which is why I'm talking to you um, now. We're her second option. <laughs> well, yeah, we don't, we, she can't have sex with us on Zoom, man. It's true. <laughs> That well, is, that is you know, well, actually, if creative enough, Greg, you can find ways to do it, depending upon your definition of sex. Well, right. And also to to put like my other like my sex ed hat role or like whatever on um, there are devices that you can like vibrators and things like that, that you can um, use uh, remotely so you can operate them with the keyboard or you can do the things like that. Um, wait, wait, you can the, operate vibrators with a keyboard? Like, yeah, so if I put a vibrator on myself and gave you the controls, you could, through the keyboard, control it. <laughs> and it is known as teledildonics. They also have the things, and that is an actual thing. I think that's going to be a client one of these days. We'll be representing teledildonics. Yeah. So I have, in addition, so back to my Renaissance universe, I have given... Uh, talks in Portland on, well, both the science of online dating, but also on sex relationships and technology. So basically how technology has impacted our, our sex lives. Fascinating. Now, this could certainly go into a whole other direction, but what I yeah. kind of want to get back but to is <laughs> I want to get to your origin stories, both of you. So, Chris, since you are a guest. Yes. When was the first time you did karaoke and what was it like for you? And then, Greg, if you can answer that question, too. So the first time was in, I love it. Now we're talking about our first times. Um, our, our, virgin, our virgin moments in karaoke. I believe my first time was in Arizona. I was living in California at the time. And uh, I was visiting a friend from high school and we had played softball and went out drinking afterwards and they had karaoke. And I start, I mean, true to a karaoke experience, I was drunk. And I put in a song and I put in the word, like I put in uh, Alone by Heart. Oh, wow. Um, That's oh, yeah. No, I, I, I had time. big, I had big aspirations. I can do it. I can and do I, it. I totally biffed that, that bit, the big note. Like, I, I know, I remember like just like singing. I'm like, I think I'm sounding okay. And then the big note happened. I totally missed it. And what that was, was roughly? It's in the 90s. And what city? This would have been Tucson. What? Oh my, you guys like crossed paths. I could have been there. That's so weird. I don't remember the name of the bar. I, I, I remember the name of the person I went home with that night. Does that count? Oh, well, that could help. What, what was the person's name? Uh, Patton. It was the Patton bar, Greg. Yeah. No, Patton Patton's was the name of the guy. He didn't yeah. own the bar that. I know, yeah. I just made that up. Yeah, I know, I just, yeah. Oh. But no I don't remember anything else about the bar. It was big. I do remember it was a. It wasn't like a nice little homey dive. It was like this gigantic thing. Uh, Greg it wouldn't have been in a place like that. No, because in Tucson it seemed like for years there was just there was the gay bar and the two uh, and the lesbian bar had karaoke and the like the um, hotel lounge or the Motel Six, whatever it was. Maybe, the, uh, or guys, it could have been outside of Tucson. I mean, I was not exactly uh, a local, so yeah. I don't really remember. Karaoke was a thing like in rednecky areas, like Wild Wild Life. That you know, that was '86. True stories. Yeah, and that's about like trailer park land, and it seems like maybe like people like us who lived in kind of big cities, we didn't know about it. It was a thing. I think huh. five years before it became a thing for us. If you lived in like I don't know Dubuque. Well, the yeah, second, sure. well, because the second time movie. I sang karaoke would have been in the mid '90s, and I, it was in San Francisco, and it was in a basement bar, that was a tiki bar, a j part of a hotel, and you would, I don't understand how like you guys are the the, the faux legal officer or you know people so you might be able to, but they would float you on this deck out into the pool. And you would sing on this stage. Was it an electrical in the, microphone? 
I don't remember. Remember, this is in the mid nineties. I don't remember tracks. It had to have been cordless. It's not going to be plugged in. It might have given you a shock if you fell in. I don't know. It's electric. But that was I sang "Summer of '69" by Brian Adams. That went over better. Nice. <laughs> so, but the first time you did karaoke, though, was there any hesitation or trepidation on your? No, I was hammered. Oh, okay. But have you sung in public before then? Like, were you ever part of a choir or anything like that? Or a yeah, band? I had sung in a glee club, and I had done. Uh, I sang in a church choir for a little while when I was a kid. I was Snoopy and You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, when I was in high school. Oh, I'd done community theater okay. a little bit. So yeah, I had done stuff, but yeah. So it was kind of, it was like a, a natural progression for you. I would always, I'd sing to the radio all the time. Well, singing to the radio is different than singing in front of people. Yeah, yeah but I, right. I guess I just always needed to sing. Yeah, yeah some yeah. people don't sing at all when right. they're alone. Yeah. Right. Some people are also serial killers. We know how you are. So, yeah. All right, Greg. So what's your story, Greg? When did you, what was the first time you um, did karaoke? Well, I forgot about the, actually the other place, even before like gay bars, I think was the sushi restaurants, the Japanese restaurants. They'd have karaoke. You used to be sitting there and then they'd start up some karaoke. Where was this? much a bar in Tucson. Okay. So you started on your karaoke was- journey in Tucson as well? Yeah. And um, I was at a sushi restaurant with a friend. And I believe I sang, because I had a, before cigarettes ravaged my voice, it wasn't a good voice, but I could sing really high. I had a very, you can still hear my high voice. I've got this high voice, but it's all raspy. But I could do a good falsetto without doing this. <clears throat> and I uh, did ABC by the Jackson 5. Ooh, nice. And that was the first time. And I think within a week, I went to another sushi place with my girlfriend at the time. And I can't remember what I sang there, but I do remember to this day that there was an elderly cowboy dude, like Tucson guy, with his. Wait, I just like that entire title. Title: Elderly Cowboy Dude Tucson Guy. Yeah, <laughs> it sounds like bad Japanese uh, instructions. On I think that's going to be the name of your autobiography. But he did have like a—I hate to say it—it it seemed like a mail-order bride because he seemed like this total like. American cowboy dude and his wife could barely speak English. Why, why do and you I'm say no you sh- hate to say that, Greg? Well, because it's kind of a racist thing to be like, oh, a white guy was a Japanese woman or Asian woman, mail order bride. Uh-huh. But she barely spoke English and she got up to do... But do you um, actually hate to say it, though? I don't think you actually hate actually, to say it. Actually, I don't it. hate it that much. I didn't think <laughs> but, so, yeah. Uh, she's saying, uh, I was dancing with my partner. Oh, the Tennessee Waltz. But... With her Wait, could you sing a little thick. bit more? Can you sing a little I'm more gonna, like her? I'm singing her accent. Okay, she thank like, you. I was dancing with me partner to the Tennessee Wash. So to this day, when I hear that song, I, I think Tennessee Wash. Wash. <laughs> but she loved it. And I that was all it was so new to me. I was like, this is something people do. They just get up and sing. And I took to it pretty quickly, but I did. When friends started coming, like when I discovered like the gay bar. And what year and was this? I Approximately mid-90s. Mid-90s, okay. Early to mid-90s. It's really when it hit the U.S., I think. So, yeah. I know, but it was barely anywhere. There was like, right. There was like three karaoke places in Tucson, which is a pretty big city. And um, But then I, I remember being nervous a little because I had been in punk band since so I was 14, most of the time as a lead singer. But I, I could just scream my own songs. Nobody didn't know what they were supposed to sound like, but... I had to sing Billy Joel now and make it sound like Billy Joel. So it was still scary for me, even though I'd been singing in bands in front of live audiences for, I don't know, 15 years at that point, a long time. So speaking of killing brain cells that we've been talking about and when you guys were concerned about not even knowing when you met, because I was listening to yeah. you live um, <laughs> before I came on. I I told I mean I'm not going to go into it but I totally missed an era. So the San Francisco thing was way after cuz when I was getting my master's degree. So the Arizona thing happened must have been 92 or maybe early 93 cuz then in 93 I moved to Boston to get my master's degree and I that's really when I started karaoke regularly cuz I didn't know anybody when I moved to Boston and so I went I started going to this one bar that doesn't exist anymore. And they started having karaoke on Wednesday nights, and I would go every Wednesday, and I would sing there. 
which was also the year Goldschlager came out. And I remember that because the Goldschlager rep came and gave everybody free shots. And yeah. And so I woke up the next morning and was like, was I doing, <laughs> did I have everyone square dancing to country Olivia Newton-John? I think that was true. But if you told me that I just totally made that up, then I'd believe you too. Cause the next morning when you, uh, did, did, was there a gold flex in your shit? I never had gold shocker. I, you know, I don't think I, I don't think I looked, or I don't remember. <laughs> I and I'm pretty sure I'd remember something like that because I'd be like, "Whoa." Greg has yeah. a habit of inspecting his feces. So well, you should. He, it's a he healthy thing these to do. Questions. I yeah, don't know that it's a healthy thing to do. It's healthy to to make sure like, things are going okay. I mean, apart, like after you do it, like stick your fingers in it and. Well, no, I just look. Okay. You don't. I mean, you have to make sure there's like. I mean, at the very bare minimum, you need to make sure there's no like blood or something in it, right? Like you gotta. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so or used to blood, I don't even notice anymore. So. Okay. I would have picked the gold flakes issue, out though. and gone to a pawn shop and sold them. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you get these? <laughs> you don't need to know. You know so yeah, gold, what kind of alcohol is Goldschlager? I've heard it's a, of it. It's a so. cinnamon schnapps essentially oh so it's like fireball but with gold flecks in it right a precursor to fireball and yeah. what was i can't remember what the there was a similar version of it back in the early 90s but yeah so all of this stuff is early 90s for me yeah. so it must have been like yeah i started doing this so matt when did you start matt oh well mine's a, a weirder story because <laughs> nice. um you guys were both had sung in public before and i had never sung in public before and I'm trying to remember when I first became aware of karaoke, and it must have been somewhere in the early 90s, because I, for the longest time, I thought it happened to me much later in life, like the late 90s and the early 2000s. And then I realized that I did go to a party at somebody's house where they had a karaoke machine. And um, I do remember like feeling very nervous about doing a song because I had never sung in public before. Mm -hmm. And um, like I had done plays and things and I was a musician back in high school. So I did that and I've sung plenty of songs on my own or in the shower or something like that, but I never sang in front of people. And so I think I did a song that I knew other people would sing along to, which was uh, Blackwater from the Doobie Brothers nice. at this party. But the funny thing was, I had totally forgotten what this party had existed. So I was always telling people that my first experience actually singing in public was much different, which was in Germany in the late 90s. And I was at a Christmas party, which in and of itself is a very bizarre kind of story. So I'm at this Christmas, and I, I like the story better than the karaoke machine. Because I, I, I didn't sing in public again until this time, which would have been probably about 98, I think. Um, I did have almost a run-in with karaoke um, for my bachelor party, which is not really a bachelor party, back in 1994, when it was my dad and my best man and I, and we were gone. what should we do before we go to get married um because <laughs> which makes it sound like you your dad and brother all got married which no, not my brother my my best man oh best man okay. <laughs> yeah so like we were going where are we gonna go to do something for the bachelor party we didn't go to like a strip club or anything but my dad is the one who actually suggested karaoke and my, i'm thinking at the time my dad sings like this is weird but that um, made me realize like okay so karaoke was in my mindset i knew it existed i knew it was in the world <laughs> So, but it wasn't something I ever sought out to do. And the weird thing was that if my dad was willing to sing in public, which was a concept that I still can't wrap my head around because I've never seen my dad do anything like that whatsoever, be entertaining in any way. Um, he lived in the Philippines though for years. And that's like just a common thing for adult men to do. Adults. It, karaoke didn't exist when I was in the Philippines. Right. That, was in, the, that was in the 80s, Greg. I know Philippines in Japan and karaoke. It didn't exist where I was in the in the Philippines. When really? I was there, if I had oh. known about it, I might have tried it. And like friends might have talked me into it or something. Because we went out to bars every weekend for the most part. And it was often a family affair as well, too, in a lot of other Asian countries I've been to. Where, like in Vietnam, there's like karaoke machines and a lot of families. You'd walk, you know, down the streets of Vietnam and past houses, and you would just hear people singing in their... Yeah. In their houses so well we i lived on a military base so right. we didn't we didn't have that experience but either way 
there was a strip outside of the Navy base that had all sorts of clubs of different kinds, like a, a country bar next to a rock bar, next to a massage parlor, next to a ping pong place, next to another country bar, next to a nightclub, next to another rock bar, next to another whatever. And yeah. they lined the road, the main strip going out of town. But that's beside the point. That's a digression. So anyway, I became aware of karaoke back in the day, but I didn't really do anything. And then I was in Germany for at this Christmas party and they were giving presents to people and I was like the lone American there. And they're like, if you want this present, you have to sing the national anthem. I said, well, I don't, I don't know the national anthem of Germany. They went, no, no, the American national anthem. I said, you're kidding. If for a present, they, and very seriously, they said, yes, like in, as Germans would do. Like, this is like, if you want this thing, you, and I'm like, and at the point I was thinking to myself, I'm like, I've never sung in public before, having forgotten about that party right. when there's like eight of us, you know, but this was in front of a group of 40 Germans and they wanted me to sing the Star Spangled Banner. One of the hardest songs to sing in the world. Mind you, without a music track. I was just I about to, to ask. <laughs> right. If you have to be a cappella. Do you like, have that in your either of you in your karaoke tracks? Do you have the Star Spangled? Is it? I probably I do. I just CD. no one's ever when asked I had an old me to. Karaoke player. I had a CD of it. Okay. Uh, you know, so I, if I put my little slip in and put the Star Spangled Banner, I'll you would somebody, be able to accommodate I'd some, that. I'd let somebody sing it. If I, I'm pretty sure I've got it, I just don't know. I haven't looked to see it. So anyway, would you stand? Would you kneel? <laughs> I would probably when someone stand, would actually sing it, I would like, probably would stand do? and put my hand over my heart because that's how I was raised again I was in a military family right. we did that at the beginning of movies like because uh, the Star Spangled Banner would play at the movie theater on what you know so well it's a military base Greg I know what a movie you gotta stand up and sing that song well nobody it. says you had to that's just what you did well, I mean, they even played it. I'd be annoyed. I'd be like, just play the movie. I don't want to fucking hear this shitty song. Well, you know, again, you're on a U.S. military base, Greg. It's their movie theater. It's kind of like you do as the Romans do. So they're gonna we were, And we were the Romans. So that's what we did, regardless of you being annoyed by whatever. Anyway. So you're going to walk like an Egyptian, you're saying? No, I just I just put my hand on my heart because the Star Spangled Banner was playing and he stood up. Okay. It's not a it's not really a big deal. Anyway, regardless. So I, I wound up singing the Star Spangled Banner and I actually remembered all of the words too, which surprised <laughs> myself. Even the later verses? Nobody knows those. No, just the one, not like the three. You're not gonna milk that. You're gonna, you're just gonna get here, sing it as fast as possible, and get your fucking. Yeah, present. I'm not doing like the three <laughs> verses to the Star Spangled Banner. I'm doing like the main song that everybody sings at like ball games. I'm not doing the whole freaking thing. I don't know all yeah. of that. Anyway, so I got through it, and they like all applauded. And I'm like, that was the most nerve-wracking thing I ever did. And then I never sang in public again for I think eight or nine years after that, when oh. I had moved to Oregon. And the only reason I actually got into karaoke later was I started dating. This is like during the course of my divorce from my wife and my first wife. And um, so there was this person who would go, it was like an ad on Craigslist or something. And she said she would go to this karaoke bar to sing songs. I'm like, oh, maybe I'll stalk her a little bit. And so I went to this bar so to see if I could find this woman. And, and I, so I was like, hey, what the hell? And I never saw her. Instead, I wound up sitting at the bar and talking to this other guy. And so we basically made each other say to each other that we would go up and sing a song at karaoke. And um, I wound up finally going up and singing. The other guy didn't. I'm like, you son of a bitch. But it wound up becoming a regular thing for me. I kind of got over this hesitation of singing in front of people. Did you sing Deutschland über Alex that night? I think I did. I think I did some, I did some goose stepping as well while I was there and I drew like swastikas on everybody's forehead with Spring a sharpie time for Hitler, just because I was bored you know Spring so and they were all okay with it because Hitler. it was like a redneck bar in Oregon anyway no I didn't do any of that Greg I am I'm not a white supremacist by any stretch of imagination because I have Jewish in Jews in my history specifically my mother <laughs> so <laughs> it's not so gonna happen I am uh according to, to mother, Jews right? According to Jews, I'm a Jew. According to me, yeah. I am not. But, you know, that is neither here nor there. Anyway, so that became my transition into being 
a karaoke addict because I started doing it all the time. It became the thing I would do. I would drop off my kids at my, my ex-wife's place and then drive home on the stretcher road, which went by that same bar. And so I would go into that bar and that's how I met Scott Davis, who is the guy who uh, essentially became the person who I emulated whenever I started doing my own karaoke shows. And I would make sure I didn't do a lot of things that he did that would bother me. So that's- <laughs> He's a good negative example. That's right. Well, no, he did a lot of good things, but he also did things that I wouldn't do if I was running a show. So I'm like, I'm not going to do, I can't even remember what they are anymore. I probably do them now, whatever it was that he did at the time. That's how I, I was when I, I saw you first carry KJ. I was like, oh, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that son of a bitch. He uses all these sound effects. Fuck that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that silliness. Yeah, you do your own thing. So yeah, which is the beauty of being a karaoke host. My own crappy thing. Yeah, you do whatever you want to do. So anyway, so that's kind of like my roundabout way of how I got into karaoke, um, which was because I had never performed in public as a singer. I had performed like playing a saxophone in high school when I had done plays, but I had kind of stopped being an entertainer when I got to college. I never did anything like that again. So it's, yeah. and I don't consider myself to be an entertainer now either. You know, I get compliments from singing, which is still weird for me to get because I go, I'm not a singer. You know, I'm just a guy who does karaoke. And you have a really good singing voice, though. I mean, I yeah. mean, may maybe it's gotten better as I've gotten a lot more practice. But I remember Scott used to record people and you give them CDs if they wanted them. And he gave me a CD once and I listened to it. And I very nearly stopped doing karaoke at that point. I was like. <laughs> Hearing your own voice is, I don't know, what's the word? It's disturbing. I think well, there's no that, other word like, for it because it sounds so different in your head, right? Like, it's just this weird concept of... Well, plus I wasn't on key, you know? So that's the other thing is like, I, oh, was, okay. I mean, like, I'm very critical of other people singing and I listened to myself and went, I can't believe that I torture people like this. I'm like, I'm not, I, I can't do karaoke ever again. I'm like, I, I, I got to quit. And I was talking to Scott about it. He's like, Matt, he goes, Matt. He's like, first of all, calm down for one thing. I'm like, I'm like, man, I suck. I'm like, I really suck. I'm like, I didn't realize how bad I sucked until I listened to the CD. He's like, Matt, he goes, you're not a professional singer. He says, don't expect that you are. He goes, but he goes, you're actually a good karaoke singer. I went, what are you trying to say? He's like, it's karaoke. You're enjoying yourself and you're not bad, you know, as I mean, a karaoke no singer. Yeah. And I like, went, I go ahead. Well, you know, it's like you want to do justice by the songs. You know? Yeah. You want to go, I'm like these people like made these songs and they put their heart and soul at some of them into creating these songs. You know, you you don't want to like suck the air out of the room. And so when he said that, I'm like, okay, I'm like, I think I can have being a, an okay karaoke singer, you know, because I'm not trying to have a record deal. I'm not planning on singing with a band anytime because for one thing, I can't remember words, which is why I do karaoke. It's like the, the screens are there. And like even the songs that I love the most that I know the best, I can't remember the, how the words go. I can know I'm a lot of way. them. Yeah, but I can't know them. So I'm like, it's better for me if I don't have to have a memory. <laughs> so that's why karaoke works for me. Yeah. Anyway, so that being said, he talked me off the ledge and that was when I was still a karaoke consumer as opposed to a karaoke host, um, which then came a few years later, which was kind of a weird transition since I was a PR guy and I'd been in public relations for like 20 years, you know, and then somewhere along the line, I just flipped and made karaoke my occupation. And I really don't regret doing that at all. Um, there's less stress. Um, it's much more enjoyable. The pay is much lower, but I really don't mind. So it's like become like this thing that's permeated my life so much so that I wound up creating a podcast with another guy who hosts karaoke. Yeah. And now we have you on the show talking about your book. Right. Well, I mean, karaoke is one of the few things that you can do and be pretty bad and people will still like completely applaud you and cheer and cheer is loudly. Right. Cause they're drunk or because they see your enthusiasm or they, you know, like, or you're doing something else that's kind of entertaining or silly, but I mean, you're right. Like no one paid to hear you sing. Right. And, and half the time they're just waiting for their turn anyway, and they're barely listening. So I, I think <laughs> once I, 
I sort of remembered those two things. Like I started taking more chances with songs that I would sing or not care if I screwed up or doing whatever, like those kinds of, of ideas. And then, yeah, and, and then, it, it creates kind of a fearlessness to us to an extent in terms right. of singing. See, I always get really uncomfortable singing in front of people. I just kind of want to get up, sing my song, get the hell down. And I wouldn't really try new things. And so as time went on, I started going through songbooks and pulling out like different songs to try out. And I wouldn't do like a higher voice or a falsetto or anything like that because I couldn't do it. And then I learned about key changes, which is what my current wife helped me out with once where she's like, oh, you can change a key on something and then you can sing something higher. I'm like, really, you can do that? I'm like, I didn't know that. So then I started really experimenting doing like rush songs and journey songs because you could do a key change. Whereas before I wouldn't try it because Tim songs. I would hurt myself. I only know one tiny Tim song, Greg, and I've never tried it, but- Leo Sayre, did you ever do Leo Sayre? I have done Leo Sayre songs. I've done, hell, yeah. I've done Bee Gees songs. But I mean, did you do like eight things lower, eight keys? No, I just generally two keys down is enough for me to swing something, except like Boston or Triumph. Right, <laughs> Which Boston's hard. I can do a lot of it and then I die. And then I just kind of like- I, I Boston's hard for me and I'm- female right yeah. like there's this sort of yeah i mean it's it like i when i was doing the u.s thing i did repeat a few songs but i did try to sing the different US songs thing. Oh, you mean place. traveling across the yeah, US? Doing, okay. yeah singing all the, you said yeah, the all u.s the thing i'm like gone what is the u.s thing yeah sorry yeah when i was singing karaoke in all 50 states i tried to I mean, I did a few repeats, but I could sort of like if I finagle it right, because sometimes you sing more than once in a, at a place. Um, I sang a different song in all 50 states, but sometimes I, I sang the same song. Can I tell a, little, a story to um, illustrate how I'm just like Matt, where I need the lyrics, even songs that I love since I was a little boy. Yeah. I think I know the lyrics by now. So I was in Italy with my relatives, I relatives all over Italy. So they knew I like karaoke. So I think this was in Rome. And they took me to karaoke. And I was like so thrilled. I was like, wow, doing karaoke in Italy. And yeah. so I was just like, you know, they had a lot of Italian songs, but they had tons of American songs. And what I picked Born to Run by Bruce Springsteen, which is weird because I don't say it that often, but I know the words. I thought I knew the words pretty well. But when the song came up, it was so bizarre that this Italian karaoke company had put something on the screen, but it was just asterisks hundreds and hundreds of screens <laughs> of asterisks and i was just like i don't know the song that well i can't do it so after like one verse or two verses i'm just like sorry well, where would the song? asterisks be like a whole, thing. a whole screen of 50 asterisks to represent these are the words and just to quibble a little bit greg have. it's not asterisks it's just asterisks asteri Astro, Astro, Asterisk. There's a letter S right after the K, and you don't have to add an ES on there. I can't just again, just the quibble. And did you have to do it all in an Italian accent? No. Oh, they, that's, that's too bad. I should have though. That's a good idea. I should have done Mambo Italiano by Dean Martin or something. But I, uh, <laughs> then I think I picked. I can't remember what I picked, but I probably picked some fifty song that I knew like. You so know, I'm, I'm a little confused by the asterisk oldies. thing, though. Is it the words were missing? Every word. Right. It was just screens and screens of asterisks. So, so in other words, they it's would scroll through. At all. They would scroll through the asterisks as if they were words. Yes. Got it. So, like, okay. That's where I was that? confused. Okay. Why don't I just have a blank screen and say no lyrics? Sorry. Yeah. Why but even have a screen at all? I mean, just I play know, the song. Well, maybe the Italian songs had the the lyrics. I mean, I didn't yeah. really, I, I used the screen as a crutch. And then there was a couple of times where I'm like, I'm just going to not look and see if I can do it. And then I would get insecure and look at it. And then when I started doing karaoke competitions, you can't look at the screen. You get points off or basically. Really? You, you can't look at the screen in a karaoke. What kind of, what's karaoke? Why can't you look at the screen? Because, because it's for pros, because, man. It really because, of, because, because karaoke competitions aren't, really karaoke they're like they're american z-list american idol yeah they're exactly singing, like so they're, they're not, just basically singing competition right with really... a karaoke track right so you can't bring a band you can't bring is. a guitar right exactly so you have to sing to a karaoke track but you can't actually look at the screen so there's like a mafia behind the karaoke competitions like the big ones so like some kind of karaoke mafia that determines how things are done 
there's definitely favorites in karaoke competitions of which i am not one um and so you can definitely get scored poorly if you're not known and scored well if you're known Um, you guys know about the my way killings in uh oh yeah in the philippines in the philippines where they take karaoke so seriously yeah and they love my way by Frank Sinatra. that's the most popular that's their love shack and if you get up yeah. on a stage and sing my way poorly, you might get killed. What do you mean? They're in Love Shack, Greg. It's the most popular song. Like, in yeah, well, right, yeah, what's the most, the most over... popular song? It's, it was for years. That was the perennial karaoke track, it... Love Shack, every night. Sweet now it's Caroline, now. Total Eclipse of the Heart, or maybe I'm actually it's uh, four. No, I think Sweet Nine. Caroline probably is number yeah. one, even beyond Love Shack. I don't hear that that often. What's up by Four Nine Blondes? As far as my part, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. The yeah, first time I competed, I sang that "What's Up" and I got points taken off. You should have. Like, <laughs> yeah, you should. I sang should've it just, well. You should have just <laughs> taken you off the sure. stage the minute you started singing that song. A lot of probably now that I re- now that I know, and I now and I also will do. I I've judged some national and international comp and state level competitions now for for these things, and I've definitely written in the not official notes but thought to myself if i hear at last one more time i'm gonna claw my ears out like it's just like there's certain songs where you're like are you fucking kidding me this person singing this again my wife is uh had been a professional like jazz singer and she um would never sing the song at last she goes because there's so many people who do it she just does other songs right i mean and they're deep i mean no one's singing badly at at this level right and you're still like really again or never enough (laughs) By the greatest showman like oh fuck like i actually don't again. know that at all i don't have to hear that a lot i've never heard that song before like never enough never enough i think the reason i haven't seen it is because my wife can't stand hugh jackman's voice and so <gasps> we've never actually seen the musical so i've never know. seen the musical but i would watch hugh jackman paint a wall <laughs> well, no, she she's actually attracted to Hugh Jackman. Oh, okay. She just doesn't like his voice, his singing oh, voice. That's like um, Adam Levine for me. He's like one of the only people who got less sexy when I heard him sing. <laughs> for Maroon Five. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, he's hot. Then he sang. I'm like, ooh. Hmm. <laughs> I remember Maybe when don't. Maroon Five first came out. A friend of mine goes, "Is that Terrence Tread Darby?" I'm like, "No, that's the white guy." <laughs> I'm like. Uh, He's not Patrick yeah. Darby. But uh, but anyway, I-, I wanted to actually ask you a little bit about being a judge as at karaoke competitions. Yeah. What, what is that like? That must be kind of surreal a little bit. I mean, I don't do competitions at my shows. I find that they're you just alienate people if you have yeah, shows. Yeah, it goes against the spirit of karaoke. If you have judging well, that, And that's shows, the first. You know. So, yeah, the first time I, I competed, that's exactly what I was like. I Well, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Like yeah. I had on the karaoke road trip, I was in Arkansas and Arkansas has a very serious state uh, karaoke competition scene. I can imagine because um, what else is there to do in Arkansas? Right. With a lot of drama, like all the kinds of like drama and infighting, like real housewives level like stuff. <laughs> well, um, that sounds entertaining now. I'm willing oh, yeah, to no, it I is. Say, it's I actually that show. Well, yeah, there's I, I have aspirations to write a screenplay about karaoke competitions a la Best in Show because it's crazy. Like, <laughs> seriously, like the, the crap that goes on in karaoke competitions is just nuts. So anywho, I I whatever I compete, which is has not been many times, uh, except for one online competition during covid where I did tie for second internationally. Um, Ooh, I suck. What, what song did you do? Uh, what songs did I do? Was Chandelier by Sia. Really? I think is the one that, that's yeah. a challenging one. Yeah. yeah, that was my one of my. That's one of my stronger competitions. Do do? No, because it's not as vocally challenging. That's the other thing with karaoke competitions, right? Like if you sing a song really well, but it doesn't have a lot of vocal range or or it doesn't go anywhere. I mean, Sandu kind of goes places, but not to the extent, not enough to score well. So if I sing a perfect, hey, good looking by Hank Williams, they're not going to be impressed. Probably not. As a guy, you could probably get away with a little bit less but you know you're competing against people singing whitney houston and celine dion it depend upon your yodeling ability greg true like let's hear you let's hear you do a little yodeling let's see uh you do yodel well no you you stretch out the yodel more get the yodel going a little bit more there i don't know what i want to do i can't do it as good 
Lord he hasn't Jesus. been drinking long enough. Ah, yeah. I, I know I'm not good at yodeling because my upper range is shot from smoking too much. So, but yeah, so then judging, so then I got asked to judge mostly because I wrote the book, not yeah. because I'm actually a good, because really, honestly, I don't have any credentials. I never scored very high <laughs> in a competition. I didn't really do anything, but, and also I was, I'm smart and I was willing. So I think those are some of the things that, that qualify. So, oh, she's smart, Greg. I am smart. I do have a doctor in front of my name. It kind of goes yeah. with the territory. So, but yeah. you also have a doctorate as opposed to just a doctorate. Oh, yeah. I am not a medical doctor at it's like all. This, there's like a little guy, a little doctor stands in front of her name all the time. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I never yeah. said that I was smart. Anyway, you two are both smart. I wouldn't be friends with you if you guys weren't smart. But at any rate, so like I, it's just, yeah. So you get these score sheets and you listen to people just singing and they, they've practiced for ever they've practiced and practiced and practiced and and then most of them are really really good so it's it's kind of difficult to sort of say but you've got your score sheet and your criteria like yeah their breathing techniques as well as their showmanship but you they've got you get a lot of depending on the competition some of them make you uh there's a lot of points for things like um costumes like or how you're dressed not costumes because that makes it sounds like you're supposed to dress like in a like like in cosplay or comic-con nice. which That's is not what you're supposed to do you're also supposed to make the song your own so if you do not try to imitate the artist but you actually try to make it more like uh and one of the commissioners described it essentially as like you dress as if a person's gonna pluck you off the stage and put you into your own so in show. other words you have to be your own artist yeah allegedly. with a pre-recorded track Right, I got it. So it's not actually even a karaoke competition. It's just, like, it's, it's, it's just like an American Idol thing. Sorry to end so abruptly, but the second part of our client, the Orchestra of Evil and Emptiness, will be here next week. Stay tuned, or just tune in then, or something. You've been here. This has been the Law Offices of Quibble, Squabble, and Bicker. Listen to our friend Colin. Your consultation with the law offices of Quiddle, Squabble, and Picker has ended. You may pay your retainer at www.qsblaw.org. Please exit to the right of the water cooler and grab a candy from the front desk. We hope to see you again soon, but you need to leave now. I said leave. Why don't they ever listen? Get out. Get out.